Good morning, Mission View. It's so good for us to be together, to worship together. We have a lot planned out for our celebration Sunday. I do want you to know we're going to be doing child dedication. We're going to be doing some baptisms. If you can't see the baptistry, probably that side, you might want to squeeze towards the middle so that you can see everything that's going on during the service. But we're really excited that we can do this as a family. And I would like to set the tone for today by just opening up the word to start off with two verses in our passage. So 1 Peter chapter 3 is where we're at. And we're going to look at verses 8 and 9, which talks about giving blessing. And we're going to talk about how we are to bless other people. And we're going to see that practically here in a little bit in terms of child dedication, parents passing on a blessing to their own kids. Let me give you the context here. The apostle Peter is writing, and as, the, as Peter is writing in these verses, he is going to give us the secret of the kind of influence that we can have as a church. Now, what he's going to do is he's going to give us five different ways that we are to be a blessing within the church. Now, I believe it primarily is applying to within the church because I think Peter wants to fortify the church. He wants the church to be united. But if the church is doing these things in their everyday practice with each other, it should flow out into their influence in their daily lives with those that do not know Christ. And so these are things that are for influence outside the, the church as well as inside the church. But I'm going to jump to verse 9 real quick because he talks about the blessing there. Verse 9, chapter 3 says this, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. For to this you were called that you might obtain a blessing. Now in this he has a secret. He has the secret of our influence, and that is to bless others, both lost and both saved. Now, notice the context of what he says. He says, I want you not to repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. That word means insult, insult for insult. See, he's showing two different systems. He's showing the world system, which is a revenge system. It is an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It is that kind of system where you get revenge on your enemy for those that go against you. But these were a people that were persecuted. They were going through hardships. And God says, there is a different standard for you, a different system for you. What I want for you is a blessing system. When somebody insults you, I want you to bless them. Now, you can imagine how that would have a profound influence when people are seeing blessing instead of curses. And so he does, he's encouraging to do what Jesus had taught Peter to do. Remember what Jesus taught his disciples? He said, if somebody, if somebody wants your shirt, what do you, what do, you do? You give them your coat. If somebody asks you to go one mile, what do, what do you do? You go a second mile with them. So that's the standard. So verse 8, he gives five ways in which they were to be a blessing. Now let's read the passage together. Here we go. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. For to this you were called that you might obtain a blessing. So what are these five ways in which they were to bless? The first way that they were to bless was to have a unity of mind. You say, how in the world is a unity of mind a blessing? Well, I want you to think about this. Peter is writing this in the midst of a culture that was independent minds, independent thinking. It was a Roman Greco type of environment where everybody was individualistic. They had their own plan. They had their own goal. They had their own aspirations, things that they wanted to achieve in life, and they didn't care who they had to step over to get there. What he is saying is in the church, we have a different mindset than the world. 
What we have is not our mind, but a unity of mind. In other words, we now have adopted God's goals, God's vision, God's mission in our life. And see, that's the process that some of us are here at Mission View are under. We're starting to realize it's not about me. It's not about my desires. It's not about my aspirations. It's about what God wants to do through us together as a church. And this is what he means by unity of mind. It is the corporate will of Christ. Now imagine the blessing that happens when a church starts thinking the same way, having the same aspirations. Now we have a gravitational pull always towards this individualistic way, but what God wants is a unity of mind. That's a way that we can be a blessing. When people see the church being unified, not just Mission View, but us with other churches, this is why we pray for other churches, when they see a unity of mind, People looking in from the outside, they say, that's something different. I haven't ever seen that before. And so that makes a profound impact, has a profound impact. The second way, he says, is to be sympathetic, to show sympathy. The word sympathy in the original language is a compound word. It's two words put together. Now, the first word means to feel. The second word means alongside of. And so what he is saying is, I want you to feel alongside of somebody else. I want you to show sympathy. It's what Paul said in Romans, rejoicing with those that rejoice, mourning with those that mourn. And so what he wants, again, is to do the church to do something that was very countercultural. In this culture, everybody felt like emotions was something to be, to be put off. And what he is saying is, no, you enter into the emotional world of somebody else. Church, do you realize how powerful it is when we enter into somebody else's pain? Do you realize how powerful a tool that is? Sympathy allows us to look past the symptoms of people and into the heart. Do you realize that when we see people, you got that cantankerous person at work, you got that obnoxious person that is just driving you crazy, do you realize that's just a symptom? Do you realize it's the tip of the iceberg and you need to get below the waterline? And if you get close enough to enter into that person's pain, you will realize that there is an opportunity for you to be an incredible witness But it starts within the body of Christ that we enter into each other's pain. Now, we live in a world where people have so much hurt and so much pain. And so that's why he's saying, this is what we need to do. Now, please realize when we get there, when we enter into that world, it doesn't mean that we coddle. It doesn't mean that we just say what they want to hear. No, that's where we get an opportunity to speak truth into their life. Sympathy. Unity of mind. The third thing is that we have brotherly love. Now, this phrase means human affection and fondness for one another. The, the word comes from, the, the, the word love here is, uh, is phileo love. It means a brotherly love. Agape love is the common word, which means an unconditional love, but that's not being spoken of. It's saying that there needs to be a brotherly love. This kind of love is a love that goes out of its way. It goes out of its way to spend time with another brother or sister in Christ. Now, this was countercultural as well. Why? Because in that culture, guess what? They had no time for that kind of bonding, that kind of affection, because they had their aspirations that they were going for in life, and therefore they had no time for that. Very much like our culture. We have a hard time spending time and entering in and showing brotherly love to one another because it takes time, it takes energy, it takes intentional efforts. But my friends, it's worth it. And this is what he's instructing us to do. It takes time to go over and help somebody else. It takes time and energy to run and spend time with a friend. It takes time and energy and intentional planning to invite somebody into your home for a dinner. But this is the kind of intentionality that God wants. Just as a side note, men, we're starting Men of Iron. 
and we are now having applications that are on the, on the back desk of the Welcome Center that are for protégés. We have mentors that have now signed up, people that have been further along down the road. And what we want to do in 2016, I think, will revolutionize where we are as a church because it's going to come alongside of men and help us to be, take greater biblical responsibility for being leaders in the home and for being leaders in a culture where the, the, the line between right and wrong has clearly been blurred. And we need men to stand up to that. We need this kind of brotherly love to happen within our body. We're giving you the opportunity. I encourage you to pick up an application if you would like to be mentored. The fourth aspect here is a tender heart. Now, this phrase means to be full of pity and tender towards other people. This was quite opposite of the first century, uh, first century people that they lived in because they were more hard-hearted. They were like the Grinch who stole Christmas. His heart just got harder and harder as time went on. And what it's saying is that tender love is the antidote to that. Tender love is like hot water poured onto a, sno a snowy cold ground. It, dis it just melts away the snow and has a profound impact. And the final thing he says is have a humble mind. Have a humble mind. Humility in the culture that Peter was writing was seen as absolutely ridiculous and a sign of weakness. And yet Peter is instructing the believers to bless others by having a modest opinion of themselves. See, if indeed this happens, what happens is they get their eyes off of themselves as believers. We get our eyes off ourselves and we look onto somebody else. That's supernatural. You know what's natural? is for us to look at ourselves. Here's a case in point. When you get up in the morning, who's the first person you look at? Well, you might look at your wife and say, ooh. Uh, or she might look at you and say, that looks a little scary. Hair's all messed up. But she, you generally go in and you go to the mirror and you look at yourself and you say, man, you're better looking today than you were yesterday. And then you go and you feed yourself. And then you clothe yourself. And I'm very thankful that you do. And... And then you just take care of yourself throughout the day. That's the natural way for us to take care of ourselves. The supernatural way is when we get our eyes off of ourselves and we think about other people. You could see how all five of these virtues had an impact on fortifying the church, but also in our influence with the loss. Our challenge, church, is to be a blessing. Our challenge is to be a blessing. This past week, I went to hear John Maxwell speak. And John Maxwell talked about intentional influence that we should have. And he said, in order to do that, he said, there's five things that you need to do. They're a little repetitive. They'll be on the screen. He said, number one, you've got to value people. Number two, you have to add value to people. Number three, you need to look for ways to add value to people. And number four, you have to do something to add value to people. And number five, encourage others to add value to people. Do you get the message? The way we have influence is that we intentionally add value to those that are around us. As I was listening to John Maxwell say this, and I'm preparing for this message, I'm like, hey, he got that idea from Peter. Because that's exactly what Peter is telling us is he saying we add value to individuals. Now, church, think about this. If the church is able to do this here and out in the world, if we're able to add value and to bless people like this, what kind of impact will we have? What kind of impact will we have? This culture that we live in is self-centered, but we get to be countercultural. We get to counter the culture by living out these virtues. Now at this time, what I want us to do is I want us to actually see blessing in play. And so we have a child dedication. I am very thankful. Sometimes it challenges our nursery, but I am very thankful that we have a growing family member. Uh, our families are growing by virtue of biological growth. So Randy and Josh are gonna come up and they are gonna lead in the child dedication and we are super excited to do this. 
I want you to know it's really not about the child being dedicated. It's about the parents being dedicated to raising their child. The child's not going to remember this day, but you as a parent will remember. I remember all three of my children, my wife and I do, and we're, we're excited that we could participate that now. Steve, thanks. Uh, this morning what we're going to do, as Steve had mentioned, is we're going to dedicate some children, and actually it's not us dedicating them as much as parents that are publicly dedicating their children before the Lord. So we're going to call up uh, couples one by one. We're going to ask them to come up here and maybe just make a little bit of a semicircle up here on the stage. And what we'd like to do is give them a charge as parents. We'd like to give a charge to the congregation as well. We want to pray for these children and for these families. And so we'd ask you to kind of just join us in celebrating these little ones and, and their parents as well. Uh, the first, the parents that we're going to have come up are Nick and Ashley Rochford and their son, Parker Roch Rochford, which you're going to see up on the screen. It's kind of cool. Um, Parker is a fearless go-getter, and he was uh, walking by eight months. Imagine that. Uh, he has a very sweet spirit and loves making everyone smile. Nick and Ashley are excited to watch how God uses Parker for his glory. So we've got the Rochfords up here. Great. Okay. Our next uh, family that we're going to invite up is Kyle and Mackenzie Deckard, and they're dedicating this morning Preston Deckard. Preston is an avid reader, averaging about 6.8 board books a day. When he's not reading, he enjoys various styles of song and dance, ranging from Bieber's Where Are You Now to Seuss's Thneedville. Uh, this boy, he's, he's a little Deckard, but he's a little miracle as well. So you probably know the background story to that. So that's, that's neat. Amen. Exactly. Our, our third couple that we're inviting up is Mark and Sarah Davies, who are dedicating this morning Colton Davies. We've got the Davies coming up. That's neat. Colton loves to clap and wave. He loves bath time, exploring, laughing in his frog pacifier. And uh, he also, unfortunately, sounds like an interesting little guy. He enjoys eating dog food, playing in the toilet, <laughs> pulling mom's hair, and throwing anything he can down the air vents. He's resourceful. I love that. Mark and Sarah each uh, love each and every day with him and are so thankful God has entrusted him to them. Next set of parents are Michael and Miranda Leggett, and they're dedicating Samuel Leggett. And just as in the Old Testament, when the Lord called out to Samuel in the middle of the night, little Samuel likes to call out to mommy and daddy every few hours throughout the night. Although he isn't fond of sleep, he loves to eat, play, laugh, and watches every move his big sister Amelia makes. Okay, our next set of parents are Evan and Jamie Miller, and this morning they're dedicating Adeline Miller. Adeline loves bath time and has recently discovered her hands and tongue. I've also noticed that Adeline has already built a serious bow collection, so if you, uh, <laughs> that thing is incredible. <laughs> Jocelyn Spaulding is being dedicated this morning by Lee and Brandy Spaulding, and we'd ask that they come forward. Jocelyn, Jocelyn is, up and, is an up-and-coming bookworm that loves to color and play dress-up in her free time. She loves to be a big helper and boss her brother and sisters around. Jocelyn sounds like a leader. Okay. And our, our last couple this morning is Lee and Brandy Spaulding. And this morning, they're dedicating Ryland Spaulding. And Ryland is an endless ball of energy. I want to meet this little guy. Uh, Ryland is an endless ball of energy that in his spare time likes to find mischief. He's always looking for someone to hug and let them know he is Ryland James. So anyway, I tell you the future of Mission View looks really good here. So hey, we are so thankful. We're so thankful that you love your children so much that you'd want to dedicate them publicly and just say before this congregation of people here, that we're going to raise these children up in a godly way. We're going to teach them to love the Lord. We're going to model it out. I've got a scripture I'd like to share with you, one that you probably already know, but one that I'd like to just declare publicly. And as I conclude reading this, if you are in agreement with it, if you would just say amen, as a, a public declaration that you're going to dedicate your babies before the Lord. It's from Psalm chapter 127, verses 3 through 5. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. 
He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Scripture says children are a reward. It goes on to say that you, as parents, it's like you're holding a precious arrow in your hand. And if you think about what that really is like, you're responsible to shoot that arrow into the future in some really well-placed, well-targeted way. And uh, it's a huge responsibility, but it's a huge opportunity as well. And there's a great testimony that comes with it. So if you would join me in, in, in declaring that that is your intent, would you give me an amen? Amen. Great, great. Our second charge is really to the congregation. And I think a lot of this dovetails in with what Steve was sharing. We're, we're united. These parents, and if your parents here, you know being a parent is a challenge. It has many great days and it has some tough days too. But in the congregation of believers, we serve as a safety net for families. Because as hard as mom and dad work sometimes, there needs to be other people who run alongside our children and love them and care for them and encourage them and root for them. And so when we see the victories of these little lives here, we should be celebra celebrating those victories as well. So they belong to all of us. And uh, just be mindful of that. Lift these little ones up in prayer. It's going to be fun to watch them grow. And uh, what I'd like to do is just, if you acknowledge your responsibility as a congregation to love and care and pray for these little ones, would you join me by saying amen? Amen. Great. Great. Josh is going to pray for the families this morning. So if you would, um, we're going to pray for the families, and then I'm going to close and pray for the children. And... Uh, Josh, go ahead. Father, we thank you so much for these lives, Lord, the parents uh, and the children. Father, as uh, uh, many of us parents ourselves, Father, we recognize uh, the challenge and the opportunity and the blessing uh, of being a parent, Father. So uh, this morning, I want to lift up Nick and Ashley, Kyle and Mackenzie, Mark and Sarah, Michael and Miranda, Evan and Jamie, and Lee and Brandy, Father. And I, I just pray for uh, your strength. Father, to, uh, to accompany them. Pray for your guidance. Lord, this world is a, is a fallen and broken place, and there's so many influences, Lord, and um, you've placed these children under their care. Father, I pray that you would give them wisdom. Father, in those down times when, when things get hard, Father, I pray that, that you would provide the encouragement. I pray that you would utilize this body here that, 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 that have surrounded them, Father, um, their family, their friends, their brothers and sisters in Christ, Father, to be an encouragement. Uh, to be a source of, of knowledge and ideas, Father. Um, Lord, prevent them from that discouragement. Help them to know that there's not uh, one, one solution for every child and, and that kids are going to break things and throw things and scream, Father. And, uh, uh, and that's just a part of the blessing, Father. So I just pray um, your guidance and your love and, and grace and blessing upon these families, Father. And we just look forward to great, great things from them, Father. It's in your name. Father, as we think of these children as well, we pray, Father, you'd build a, a hedge of protection around them early. I pray, Father, that you would protect them from the evil one that would try to discourage them, that would try to derail them from walking with you. I pray, Father, as these little ones grow, that you'd give them friends that could encourage them, that they could run with and enjoy life with and grow up together. Father, I pray for uh, just, um, just you would help them early to have a relationship with you and to develop that. I pray as well, Father, that you would also help them to understand what their gifts and abilities are so that they could use them to bring honor and glory to you all the days of their lives. I pray, Father, that these lives would be just incredible for your kingdom's sake and for your kingdom's glory. And Lord, we're just grateful for these families that are willing to dedicate these little ones. And Father, we pledge as a church that we're going to love them, we're going to encourage them, we're going to do whatever we can to help them walk with you, and we're going to celebrate, Father, how you use them. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Josh is going to give them a little reminder of this day, and it's kind of a, like a certificate and statement. So anyway, thank you. We appreciate your time. How's God's church doing today? That's a little loud. You guys doing well? Good. Um, May this be our banner today. It says in 1 Chronicles 16, 11, it says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. So as we pray, guys, um, I just encourage you 
to seek his face continually, whatever that is, whatever that looks like. Um, and we're going to do that now as a body of believers. We're going to go to him in prayer. And uh, we're, the first thing we're going to lift up to pray, in prayer is John and Rachel Reeser. And uh, they have some prayer requests here. And we need to pray for our brothers and our missionaries out there. Um, they have some preparation needs um, that they need to accomplish before their mid-December departure to Mexico. And Lord, we just lift that up to you. Um, anytime we take a journey or we travel, it can be uh, sometimes nerve-wracking. Lord, we just ask that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding would guard their hearts and minds and their travels in Christ Jesus. They need guidance as they expand and consolidate their ministry. Lord, we lift that up as well. Lord, that they would know exactly what they're supposed to do. Lord, that they would have your mind and your heart uh, for their ministry, your ministry. That doors would open for discipleship and leadership training. Lord, that they would continue to have opportunities, whether that's one person or many. Lord, we, uh, we see that they, there are six church plants that are currently um, in motion. Lord, we ask that they would... Um, that they would continue to grow in depth and maturity. Lord, that, they, um, that these church plants would seek your face in everything that they do. Lord, help, help them to have the passion and stir the spirit that you've given them in their hearts so that they would do great and mighty things for you. Um, Lord, that we ask that the new contacts for the new church plants in areas where there is no gospel, Lord, that the fire would burn in those, in those churches and in the cities, Lord, that there would be um, uh, great growth. Um, and Lord, that they would seek you. Lord, we ask God that, um, that there would develop a network for encouragement. Oh, we, I know how we need to be encouraged. May they also be encouraged. For Rachel, as she works with women in crisis, Lord, uh, we need the family to flourish. We need, we need, as your children, to, uh, to be healthy. And we just ask, God, for your hand as she reaches out, she stretches out her hands to provide encouragement and compassion for these women. And, Lord, uh, their son Joshua, as he's 17, Lord, um, in America, God, he faces uh, trials and different opportunities of his own. And we, we just ask, God, that you would encamp around him provide all that he needs, Lord. And God, as Bridge Bible Church, our local church, God, as they, as they seek you and as Matt McClough and Aaron Long, God, as they seek your face and they, they turn everything over to you that's at Bridge Bible, Lord, we just ask, God, that they would do it uh, with hands wide open and seeking to understand your heart for Bridge Bible. Lord, as we prepare our hearts for Thanksgiving, we thank you that you are a God who is good. We thank you that you hear our prayers. We thank you that the gospel is going out into places all around this world. And we thank you that we have a, a partnership in that, Lord. Lord, we also thank you for things that are hard. Lord, the Bible says to give thanks in all circumstances. And sometimes we face trials in our own life, and we don't look at those sometimes as blessings. We can see, God, later how you've used that. Help us to be a thankful people. Help us to be a people overflowing with thanks, thankfulness and thanksgiving. Because it's through thankful people that you can do great and awesome and mighty works. And we do thank you. We thank you for your great gifts. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for trials and tough times that strengthen us and refine us. We thank you for the opportunities that we've been given in our own little circle of influence. And we ask you, God, that we would be thankful people, that we would love you, that we would serve you, and that we would honor you all the days of our lives. And that because of our hearts of thankfulness, you would continue to do a mighty work through Mission View and through your church around the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Notice the song that just said that the, the full salvation that God has given us, we can embrace it by surrender. 
And in order for us to have the full blessing of God, where it talked about in the song, it comes through full surrender to him. It's interesting in our passage, the, the apostle Peter is going to go from how we are to be a blessing to how God wants to pour his blessing on us. Remember in verse 9, he says, I have called you to be a blessing and you will be blessed. And so we have a God who loves to bless us as individuals. We have a God who loves to bless our families. He loves to bless. But the key to that blessing, we must state right up front, is for us to have a personal yielded relationship with Jesus Christ. He went to the cross. He died for your sins. He bled for you and for me. He did that, and then he went to the grave. And then three days later, he rose again so that he can give an explanation point beside the fact that he had victory over death. He's the only one in history that has ever done that. And he did it so that we might repent and believe in him. Repent means to turn from ourselves and turn to him and say, I am fully yielded to you. It's not something that we're born into. It's not something that be happens because we go to church. Being at church doesn't make you a saved, redeemed person. What makes you redeemed, purchased back from the slave market of sin, what does that is the shed blood of Christ in the resurrection and us fully placing our trust in Christ. And so if you don't have that relationship with Christ, I challenge you, I plead with you to first start there because that's where God's full blessing will be upon your life. Now notice in our passage, in the last few verses, he talks about a blessing, but he quotes a psalm that we read earlier, Psalm 34. This is what he's quoting. He says, for whoever desires, desires to love life, Church, do you desire to love life? Do you desire to love life? Okay, I just want to make sure everyone's alive. Do you desire to see good days? Do you desire to see good days? Let him keep his tongue from evil, his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, in these, these few verses, what Peter's doing is quoting Psalm 34, and he is giving the key to God being able to pour his full blessing into our life. Church, do you want God's full blessing to your life? Do you want God to be able to look at you as his son or his daughter and to be able to, be able to say, man, I am so pleased. I am so pleased with my child. I love their faith. I love the fact that they are clinging to me, that they are coming to me in daily needs. I want to pour my full blessing on their life. See, I think every one of us would want that. But I want you to realize that that doesn't happen just when things are going well. Remember, he is writing this to a group of people who have lost so much and what he is going to tell us is that he wants to bless us, but it's often in the midst of difficulties. I've learned that myself. Let me tell you a story. Back in 1994, I had hit a pretty dark time in my life. It was a time of a de depression for me. Um, things in, in life in general had been leading up to this moment pretty good. My wife and I had been involved in ministry for eight years. We had three beautiful children that loved to be with their mom and dad all the time. We took walks in Firestone Park, and we had a great time together. It was an awesome family that God had, give, had, had given us, and I still have these children, and they're awesome. We love our children. But this was a time also where we uh, were living sacrificially. We were a single income. We made about $18,000 a year at that time. It was well below the poverty level, but it didn't really matter. We were able to give our 10%. We were able to pay our bills. We were able to even have a little extra to go out to eat once in a while. As you can see, we were a happy family. Other than my creeper stash, we were doing okay. <laughs> 
other than the creeper stash. But then in the fall of 1994, I hit a pretty dark place in my life. The lead pastor that I was working with, I was at Calvary Bible Church, and Mark Miracle was there as well, and he, he knows what this is all about, and hit a dark place in my life personally because I fell out of favor with, favor with the lead pastor. And when I did junior high work for seven years, I could do no wrong. When I started working with high school students, I could do no right. Everything I did was absolutely wrong. And it came to a place where he pulled one of the other staff members, the lead pastor pulled one of the staff members aside and said, hey, we're looking actively to seek a replacement for Steve. Now, because he was my friend, he called me up and told me this. It was just before Christmas. And I hit this absolute dark depression. I started questioning everything. I started saying, God, why? Why is this happening to me? We have lived sacrificially for you. We have given everything we have. We could, we could make lots more money in other places. Why is this? And after I had myself pity party for a couple days, I stopped and actually listened to God. That's when God said, why not you? And I started listening to what his word had to say. So I was reading in Psalms at that time, and ironically, I came to this Psalm, Psalm 34. And God started to speak to my heart as a father. He says, Steve, do you love life? Do you want to see good days? This is what I want you to do. I want you to trust me. And in this passage, there were three things that stuck out to me. He says, Steve, I want you to keep your lips from speaking evil. Now, believe me, I wanted to give a good verbal lashing to somebody for what was going on in my life because it was an injustice in my life. Ever feel that way, church? I felt that way. Number two, he says, turn from evil and do good. See, that's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to, I wanted to make someone pay. I wanted there to be some harsh action. But God said, no, I want you to repay it with good. And he says, finally, seek peace and pursue it. Instead of digging your heels in, Steve, I want you to just trust me. Go the direction of peace. And then he gave me the assurance in this passage that his eye was upon the righteous and that he would listen to my prayer. And you know what? After this little rendezvous with God, I went from this pit of despair to this pinnacle of joy. You would have thought I was bipolar at that point because I just had this incredible joy. And I'm like, yeah, it all makes sense. If I'm not the right person for this job, it's not a problem. So between Christmas and New Year's that year, I wrote a resignation letter and I set up appointments with three different elders and had lunch with them. And at the lunch, I said, I, this is what's happened. I know you must know this. And I wanted to give my resignation letter to you because if I'm not the person for, for, for Calvary Bible Church, then that's okay. God has something else for me. I want peace in the body, and I think it'll be awesome. But what I didn't realize was what they, how they responded. They all pushed the envelope back to me and said, Steve, I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea. I just want you to hold on to that. Well, we find out. I, I thought, well, maybe that elder didn't know. So I met with the next elder, then the next elder, and all three of them said the same thing. Now, I wasn't in the elders meeting in January, but what I heard was that it was a very heated elders meeting. And all I know is that after that meeting, the lead pastor came to me, took me to lunch and said, Steve, you're doing a great job. Uh, no one can plow looking over their shoulder. No one can plow straight looking over their shoulder. I just want you to keep plowing for God. Now, I share that story to illustrate that sometimes God's blessings are not seen when everything is going great. They're not always seen that, that way. It's actually when our world is falling apart around us, when there's false accusations, when there's betrayal, when you're being overlooked, when you're being undervalued. In all these ways, this is when God starts to speak to us because our ears are attended to him. And just like Peter was trying to say to these believers, he is saying to us, peace is not found in the absence of danger. It is found in the midst of the storm and in his presence. And he wants to remind us of that. And that's what he wants us to fully embrace. Do we want to love life and see good days? Do we want the full blessing of God? 
then church, we have to apply these things to our own life. Quickly, these are the three applications that we really need to think about. Number one, if we want God's full blessing, are we keeping our lips from speaking deceit? That's what verse 10 says. See, this is where our Christian character is on the line. When we've given our life to Christ, it needs to affect us from the inside out, including this here. James says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. See, our tendency is when we have been treated wrongly in our estimation, we lash out. We lash out even to those that are closest to us. And it doesn't matter whether we're talking about God's people or people far from God. This is is what we naturally do. James says, out of the same mouth come both praises and curses. My brothers, this should not be. This past week, I was working out somewhere, and somebody had a workout T-shirt that said, I love Jesus, but I curse also. Now, I want you to know, I don't know why they had that T-shirt. That's a little weird. But this, <laughs> this Bible passage says, that's not good. That's not good. But we, it's real, though, isn't it? We could speak praise on Sunday, then Monday through Saturday, we have a different attitude, and all of us have been known to do that at times. And here's why we can't do that. Number one, why can't we lash out? Why can't we speak that way? Number one, we bear the image of God, and we are a reflection on Him. Number two, the person we speak to, whether they're saved or lost, doesn't matter. They bear the image of God as well. And we need to be mindful of our words, no matter how we feel we have been wrong. Church, if we want to enjoy the full blessing of God, we need to keep our speech from speaking evil and our lips from speaking lies. That's the first thing. Number two, we need to turn away from evil and we need to do good. That's what verse 11 says. Now, the word turn away in the original language, what it means is to bend away from, to avoid, to shun, to completely shun. And what we are to do is we are to shun evil, which means that this speaks to the company of people and places that we go to in our life. We are to start, stay far away from places and people where evil exists, where we know that we are going to be sucked into the schemes of the evil. See, here's the reality. There is a safe zone with God. He is like a tree, and we hover under his tree, under his protective branches. And there is light under this tree, and there is warmth under this tree. James says in chapter 4 that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. This is the safe zone. But there is a tendency in our life because every one of us, even when we give our life to Christ and we are crucified, there's still this thing called the flesh and there is a battle and out there leaks evil, lurks evil. There's things that will pull us in and there are things in this world that are appealing And there is a battle within our flesh because we want to be drawn to success, to pride, to power, to all these things. And as a result of that, sometimes we as a church give in. That's why statistically, there's over 50% of men within the church are struggling with pornography. And some of the, it's an increasing number for the women. I read a stat this week that 90% of all college males are involved in pornography and 30% of all women are involved in pornography. We're drawn towards this. As a church, we're, we are overcommitted in our spending and we spend and spend because we love materialism and we're being drawn towards things. And what God is saying is the safe place is right here. What I want you to do is shun the evil things. I want you to recognize what they are and I want you to do what is right. Friends, evil will always be present in our lives, but we, it won't appear as evil to us. It won't appear as evil to us. It always looks good. It always looks beautiful. And what God says is, church, if you want my full blessing, shun evil. Turn your life to doing good, to having that impact, 
to being that person of influence in your life to be a blessing. And here's the third thing he says, seek God's peace and pursue it. See, this final instruction is to seek his peace. Now, in our life, I find that peace is the thing that navigates us. There's a lot of not, there are a lot of decisions that we make that aren't necessarily right or wrong decisions, but God uses his peace to guide us. But here's what I know. When I'm over here, I can't hear God. I'm dwelling where I don't, should not be dwelling. I am going to hear God's voice. I am going to sense his peace more when I am drawing near to God. So the question is, do you want God's full blessing in your life? See, the final verse is verse 12. He says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the faces of the Lord is against those who do evil. See, this verse is setting a contrast to those that are near God and those that are far off. And he uses his eyes, ears, and face to show this. He says, my eyes are laser focused on those, my children, that are doing right. My ears, I'm bending down. Literally, the Greek word here means to bend down and to listen intimately to the prayers that they are giving. I'm listening. But then the contrast is this. God's face is turned away from those who do evil. Dear church, we live in a world that needs to be blessed. We live in a church where we need to bless each other. And I believe God wants to bless us, but here's the question. Is God's eyes and ears upon us? Or has, does he have to turn his face against us? As we close our service, what I want to focus on is the many blessings that God has given us. And I really want you to think about these things after the service. Think about these blessings. Think about how God wants to bless us, how we should bless others. But right now, in the spirit of thanksgiving, I want us to just give praise to God for the work he's doing. I've invited several people to come up. I've invited Kelly Hanson, Hannah and Nick, and Todd. And they're going to share just little bits of what's been happening in the church because I want you to understand the spirit of thanksgiving, in the spirit of thanksgiving, the ways God is working. Now, in saying these things, in the giving these reports, this doesn't mean we have it all together. We give all praise to God. But it does mean, it does mean that God is doing a work. And so I am so thankful, first of all, for Kelly for the work that she does with the children's ministry. And so I've asked Kelly to share first and then Hannah and Nick about the youth. And Todd's going to give us a few numbers. Good morning. Uh, gosh, exciting morning. We usually have about 60 to 65 kids back there. And today we've well exceeded that number. So thanks to all of you for coming to show support and, and see the baptisms and the baby dedications. Uh, we have a tremendous team back there. We I've come up front before and asked for help, said that we need people to step up and volunteer, but honestly, we have about 42 amazing volunteers who come every month and serve faithfully, uh, excited to be here, and uh, we're not in a desperate need of volunteers, which is awesome, because people are loving what they're doing, and they're loving seeing kids come to Christ. As you're going to see this morning, we have a few kids being baptized uh, just a joy to teach the Word of God and also to follow along with what Steve's doing here in the main service. Uh, it's nice to know that families can leave and go home and talk about together the same verses of what they've learned that morning. might be from different angles sometimes, um, but it's just nice to know that they can share that conversation. You don't have to, to try to pull out of your kids, what did you learn this morning? If they're in elementary uh, age classes, you know what they learned because you talked about it too. So we get a lot of great feedback from the parents and families that they like that we follow the same, the same lessons in the morning, and it's our privilege to teach your children and to love on them. So thank you for allowing us to do that. Well, just like Kelly, the student ministry has an amazing group of volunteer leaders that pour into the student ministry each and every week. And moving forward, we have decided to place a great amount of importance on prayer and accountability. So each week, we uh, allow the students to break down in smaller prayer and accountability groups. They're able to talk about their week. They're able to uh, discuss with each other different prayer requests they have. And then they have time to pray for one another. 
we then encourage them to follow up throughout the week. Uh, send a call, send a text, send an email, snail mail, um, and uh, you know, encourage and check in to see how things are going with them. This is a very slow process. It takes time to build that trust up, but uh, we are striving to make it a very intricate part of Ignite Ministry because it allows the kids to not only rely on God in prayer, but allows them to create deeper relationships with each other through prayer and accountability. Yeah, our other two kind of points of emphasis are uh, fellowship and service, right? So as far as the fellowship goes, we have different events that we host throughout the month. There's about one thing that we do a month. It's just kind of a fun time. Uh, the kids just get to hang out, have some fun, relax, get to know each other, and really try to build like a family dynamic is what we're really hoping to build there. Um, as far as service, um, our verse that we kind of uh, base our ministry on is Acts 17, verse 6, where it says, those who turn the world upside down for Jesus. And what do we mean by that? Well, Jesus turned the world upside down by serving other people. And so at Ignite, we've implemented spots, which is serving people on the spot, where we want to help people from the church as well as the other local ministry. So if you have something that you need help with around the house and you have uh, a larger task that you think... You know, 10 to 8 kids can help, uh, let us know. Hannah can come, I'll come, and we'll knock that out, and just let us know, and we'll be there for you. Um, but in summary, yeah, we're a student ministry, group of students, um, working on our prayer, our accountability, our fellowship, and our service, and we're just kind of excited to see uh, how God will use us in the future. Okay, Steve warned you I was going to talk about numbers. Don't go to sleep on me. I'll try to make this brief and painless. Uh, have a slide on how we're doing as far as attendance goes. I hope. <laughs> there we go. Uh, hopefully you can uh, see it okay, but there's, there's three groups of, uh, of uh, bars going on here. The middle one is the children attending a student ministry, or the uh, children's ministry right now. And in addition to the seven that we saw up here this morning that we committed to pray to, there's about another 50 each Sunday. And as Kelly alluded, there's even more today. So uh, pray for them. But we're just seeing real steady attendance in that area. Uh, the left-hand bar, the orange one, is the number of teachers that are here on a Sunday-to-Sunday -Sunday basis. So it's about 22 on average. But Kelly also said it was about 42 people uh, on a month-to-month -month basis that are doing that. Then the, uh, the blue bar is actually our Sunday morning attendance in the sanctuary here. Um, and the black line kind of floating across the top is, is the 12-month trend. Um, so, you know, we're not seeing the growth in that area that we want to see, but we feel that some of the changes that have been made recently here, uh, we're starting to see a trend uh, take October out, but we're starting through November to see a trend upward, and we're continuing to uh, trust that, that that will grow as just as we commit to worship together, but also as we commit to our core of responsibility to reaching out to others and encourage them to, to worship uh, as well. The second slide just shows our uh, average weekly giving. And it's uh, the, there's a couple spikes in there. Uh, some of them are uh, in December, which is kind of the typical year-end giving. We've also have a couple other spikes that are one-time giving. But in spite of the fact that attendance has been slightly declining, you know, we're encouraged that uh, giving has remained steady and has remained strong, and we just attribute that to the maturity of the body. Uh, the final slide then would just be where we stand year-to-date financially. Um, and you know, we're pleased that uh, so far this year we're at an $8,000 surplus. Uh, we try to make responsible, wise decisions with what you've given. It's actually, the giving's a little bit below our budget, but we've been able to keep our expenses below budget as well. Uh, other things of note there, you know, the biggest expenses are with our facilities, the office rent, and uh, this facility on Sunday morning. Uh, with missions plus outreach, which account for about 12% of our budget, and, uh, and of course, staff. Uh, that's a, a major part that we have there, so... Just thank you, though, for your commitment to this ministry and the way that you do give. Um, just to let you know, we intentionally planned on going over a little bit because the food is going to be ready as soon as we're done. So after we're all done, we want everybody to join us for the feast that has been prepared. I just want to give a quick report in terms of community. 
Uh, we've seen about 70% of those attending Mission View get involved in one of our 15 community groups, which I'm thankful for. I'm so thankful for the community group leaders who serve as shepherds. But we've also seen additional people join our church as a part of the mission, and we're thankful for that as well. And if I mention your name, if you wouldn't mind, I'm not trying to embarrass you, but we do want people to recognize you as a new member. So if I mention your name, if you wouldn't mind standing, uh, Courtney Wheeler, uh, Henny Loff, Jason and Lynn Quarter, Kyle and Mackenzie Deckard, Mark and Jolie Leggett, Kyle Leggett, Chris and Gretchen Dorfler, and Ryan and Marley Fernandez. We are thankful that you guys have joined this mission. You may be seated. But we're also growing in influence. This past year, we've been able to do uh, six different schools and feeding teachers. We've been able to participate in two successful summer library family night, uh, film night outreaches. We had a ministry trailer that did three different VBSs during the summer. Um, we're thankful for that. We're thankful that community groups have gotten their people involved in different uh, community partners like Hammer and Nails uh, or just helping out with needs within the body. Um, we're grateful that people are engaging in their core. If by now you should know what your core is, circle of responsibility, people you pray for, people that you reach out to. And as a result, this year we've seen eight baptisms, three of them that we are going to see right now. And so what I'm going to do is we're going to conclude, this is kind of the climax of the service, just for us to see the transformation of life. And so you're going to see three baptisms, and then we're going to close with the song, and then we'll be dismissed to go eat. So let's watch these baptisms. Joe and Cassie are going to get in the baptistry while we play their video. I'm Joe Pettigrew, and this is my wife Cassie Pettigrew, and I know you guys heard a story last week. Uh, I've decided to be baptized. You go, you get baptized, and then from then on out, you have to live by exactly how he wanted you to live. So, just definitely a reminder to make you live your life exactly how he wanted you to do it. So, just want to show her that I'm going to just put all of my past behind me, get rid of all the sin that I've done, and just come back and be just fully alive with Christ and her and our family. This is something I've been thinking about for a while.
the water. It means that when you die for yourself, Who's going to baptize you? My dad. I'm Tashawa.